You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Last week was a big week for gaming news. We had both the Game Developers Conference as well as PAX East. Now, say what you will about the PAX conventions, being that there are so damn many of them. This one drew in a lot of the heavy hitters with some very interesting panels, as did the GDC. The GDC actually had some very interesting stuff, although, ironically, a lot of the stuff was hardware-related this year. We had found out earlier, because of the Valve release uh, information, press release, as well as the Sonys for Morpheus, that the in-thing this generation now is going to be VR, much like a few generations back. It was the 3D and... Before that, the sensory stupid thing that Nintendo wanted us to pick up on. But right now, we're looking at VR. So we got some interesting news for that. And we're going to get into a little bit of that to to discuss what our thoughts are, are on it. And we also got some other hardware news from NVIDIA. And this kind of... I had not actually heard too much about this. So it was interesting to hear. I say interesting, but not enough so that... I necessarily am planning on picking up what they were trying to sell. Joe, I'll let you take over for the NVIDIA stuff. So NVIDIA has been trying to kind of make a way into set-top gaming, but also handheld gaming. And they've been doing this through what they call their Shield line. Um, It's an interesting line of products that are Android-based that are made to run either... Uh, homebrew games, if you can crack them, which they are allowed to be cracked, which is kind of cool, uh, or ones that you buy from the actual Play Store itself, like Sonic the Hedgehog emulators, things like that. So they're really trying really, really hard to push into that. So now we're starting to hear about, well, new things that they're going to talk into there. Now, this one, it's kind of maybe sort of like a set-top console, but not really. So the new shield is uh, occupies this weird space uh, between a set-top box and a console. Um, it's got a lot of interesting hardware in it. Like, it's got a Tegra uh, X1 processor. Um, it's got a very hefty GPU and 3 gigs of memory with it as well. It's got a lot of stuff on there that you would see maybe in not next-generation phones, but phones that would be tablets next ones out, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and it makes for a very... I don't want to say robust experience, but it has the potential to allow for a lot of our favorites to come back through the set-top box. Um, It's also used as a a streaming sort of system as well, uh, where you can actually use what they call, I forgot what the the exact name of the service is, but they have a shared space. I actually have a friend who has uh, one of the mobile shields, which is basically a giant Xbox controller with the the screen that comes across it. Uh, Well, Kirby has it, doesn't he? Um, I don't know if Kirby does, but somebody like my actual weekly game master has one and his kid, like when they come over, they bring it with them. That's how I first got introduced to this stuff to begin with. But you can actually stream between the two devices uh, and actually use it as a secondary controller like the mobile one, which is actually kind of interesting since it has the 
the screen on top of it. It makes it really intriguing for uh, potentially some of those other like top-down sort of strategy games. Uh, so the Grid Plus, uh, it, that's what it's called. It's called Grid. Um, that's their cloud-based streaming service. Um, think of like Gaikai and oh, what was the other one? Oh, I can't remember. But remember what we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, thing. On Live? Yeah. On Live, yeah. that was it, where, you, where you basically you bought or rented a game and you were able to stream it to any device that was connected to it. They're trying to do something similar to this. And one of the things that they've been talking about doing, especially on the handheld one, is uh, AAA titles. Not just Android games only, but starting to look into trying to port into like Doom games or... Um, like first-person shooters, like the new Doom that's supposed to be coming out, they're talking about trying to get a port over for it. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting because they're really trying hard to push light hardware at a reasonable price point that can still offer a good gaming experience. And one thing I have noticed is this: the one that they're talking about now, the set-top box version, it's coming in around 200 bucks. That's about the same price as their handheld. They're actually really well-constructed devices, and it's very interesting to see a whole family play with it because my friend his wife and his kid they all use these devices and they all play video games together through them and it's been a different experience than say like the steam family play so i'm very interested to see if this will actually catch on because i think it's a really cool concept it's got some really great hardware behind it has some really great capabilities has some really great output uh unlike others it has expandable memory uh and you can actually like I said, you can crack it and run homebrew games on it. Uh, you can download your fa- favorite ROMs. It's it's an interesting space, and it's not quite a, f- a game console, but not quite like a tablet. It seems to me like it's almost like a beefed-up Ouya, almost. That's exactly what I was Kinda. thinking. That's Which, exactly- don't get me wrong. Ouya's cool. I bought one on sale at Target for like 70 bucks and installed a bunch of Super Nintendo games on it, but how much that's do you pretty use much it, all it is to me. Yeah. Whatever, I feel like playing Castlevania, but I mean, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, see, that's exactly what I thought when I heard about it. When I read about it initially, I was thinking, like, I mean, you're offering us a, a fancier Ouya, which didn't do all that well. So, quite frankly, that's not going to be a, a huge selling point. And then selling off the Android gaming library is really a joke because there's not nearly enough to make that a worthwhile experience and then when they're talking about their their quote unquote triple a games that they're offering are games that are several years old that don't know that is not true shadows of mordor is okay that is one of the few let's be very honest though and yes that's true but it's one of the few but that's very ambitious too and you have to take that into consideration shadows of mordor being a new title that basically I couldn't run that on my old computer. Now I can run it on my current one. If it can run on this system, that's a big step up. The other talking about doing it through NVIDIA, not just through Android. Yeah. See, the other problem too, is that it's going to be for any of the big games, it's going to be for streaming them. And they point blank said several times how your connection is going to play a large factor in your gaming experience. Any lag or or if your connection isn't that great and you are not getting nearly the seamless experience that you would otherwise. And as for the hardware behind it, we're looking at, yeah, it's a little bit more powerful than tablets now. But this isn't supposed to be a tablet. It's entering in as a console. And it's, you know, it's not all that powerful, especially when you consider the current generation. And 200 bucks for me personally, 
for what you're getting. And again, it sounds like I'm shitting on it a lot here, and that's that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just being <laughs> realistic about what my expectations are based on what we've heard. So, because if you know if it can deliver on a lot of the things, I might very well check it out. But looking at two hundred bucks, two hundred bucks is still enough money. And if you compare it to you tack on another hundred or so, you can pick up you know, an Xbox One or a PS4, then you have to take that into consideration what you're getting for your money. And I feel that at 200 bucks, what you're getting for the NVIDIA Shield is not nearly enough. Now, if the Android library was a lot richer and, and, and just plain better, then yeah, it'd be worth it. That'd be phenomenal. Like if there was a manner in which to create this for the iOS gaming library, which is massive, unbelievably massive, then it'd be like, of course I'll do it in a heartbeat because there's the Android library is huge. (laughs) It's just 99.7% crap. (laughs) Right. But you gotta, you gotta look past, I mean, at least in my looking at this, you have to look a little bit past just the Android licensing part. The Android is just the platform that it's going to be running on, and it's the easiest thing that they can do right now to get some games going with it. Sure. But now with what NVIDIA is doing with their grid service, which is not just going to be for the Shield, but also for PC gamers as well, at least the last time that I looked into it, uh, is that it's a it's a, a monthly sub, but it's going to be AAA titles through NVIDIA. It's They're going to handle the licensing and stuff through that and stream to the platform. So it's not necessarily just going to be restricted to games that exist in the play market. And I think that's kind of the the interesting point there. They're really trying to have a seamless mobile slash streaming game service because it hasn't been done yet and they're throwing a lot of money into it i just look at sony tried to do that with prior titles as well and the Sony's still trying to do it with playstation now that's what i mean and the lack of interest really they're trying to beef it up but frankly i don't know anybody who's excited for it at all so you know what again it might do well and if it does bonus it's it's going to be nothing but good for us i don't want to crap on it and hope that it fails no i want it to do well but based on what we've heard it really didn't actually excite me at all i I think the the target audience for the machine is going to be too small yeah potentially yeah yeah and it's going to depend highly on just how good and how bad that streaming service is based on your connection. Well, and that, that's the other thing too, of like coming from an internet, you should know, I mean, you know this as well, like it doesn't require that much bandwidth to have a seamless streaming setup. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It, it still does, it needs more. You're, you're looking at more than if you're streaming a 1080p movie here, there's a lot oh, going a, back I'm, and forth. Sure, but I'm also I'm also looking at the average household connectivity speed has in at least North America in US uh, ha- in in the US yes not in, and this, not is, this, is my, this is my but it's it's gone well above what they're calling the minimum standards as far as their average upload and download yeah that, again that varies wildly depending on where you live anyways I, we I still can't watch an episode of House of Cards without the quality dipping down to well that's yeah. a little more complicated an oil painting situation <laughs> well so. it's but it's all it's streaming has to be factored in as well how 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 long before Comcast and Time Warner and AT&T approach NVIDIA about similar arrangements? Well, they can't, 
they can't anymore yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's whatever. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Again, we, as it we get more information, we'll definitely talk about it. And and if the price is right and it is doing well, hell, I will pick one up and, and mess around with it. it. It would be fun. Let's move on to some of the other hardware as well. There was. Another dev kit for the Project Morpheus, another prototype that came out that gave us even more information on it. And we got yet more on valves. They're calling it the Vive. And we got some some videos showing different stuff as well. The I, I actually didn't see too, too much on the Oculus this time around. I don't know if I missed some of it or if they just didn't have as big a presence there. Did you guys see much? Not really. No. I, I see VR and I just kind of gloss over. Ah, well. They did talk about there's a, a Hobbit demo for the Oculus where you're going up against smog kind of thing, which was fairly cool they were talking about. Smog. Oh, one, I, thought it was, I thought it was going to be a walking simulator. One of the really cool ones that they talked about was for the um, the Valve one, and it was a portal demo. And he, the guy was saying how it was an IGN guy and he was talking about how like you have to go and fix one of the bots kind of thing. And at one point, Gladys comes down from the ceiling and is confronting you right in your face. And he was saying how like it's one thing to be playing it on a computer and seeing her come down and something altogether different when it's VR and it's larger than life. And of course it's Gladys, so that voice and everything. And it was just, it was just absolutely amazing. That made me very giddy. That would be a portal game in VR would be... Would make you vomit. I, oh, God. No, no, I would do it. I'd, I'd be hopping along in the living room as high as I can hop kind of thing just so to like, get through the... Not very far. It, it would be fun as hell is what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, so the, the stuff that they were showing off, again, I know you're not very interested. I've point blank said I am so the stuff that they were talking about was fairly cool no sense going into the the specs and whatnot but yeah it was there's improvements across the board for each of them the other thing that Valve was talking about a lot more too is they're really pushing their hardware line now too they were talking about their steam controller which is kind of cool because it's actually going to allow you to play keyboard and mouse games even if they weren't designed with a controller in mind they made it in such a way that it will emulate your keyboard and mouse very well from what i've read and then they were also talking about their steam link which again to work with their steam machines and to broadcast to your tvs and whatnot and then of course the, the steam vr they were also saying that there is a possibility of a half-life VR game. And of course, people just lost their shit at that point. Of course. Because <laughs> that would be freaking awesome as hell. But they were saying Half-Life 3 confirmed. And Half-Life 3 <laughs> confirmed. They, um, they did say, too, that they've got their new Source engine, Source 2, that's going to be coming out. So that's huge because that helps out developers immensely. Plus, it will make a difference in the quality of the games that we see. So while a lot of it was a technical side from Valve, it was... Very, very interesting stuff. I'm. It's another one where I'm just kind of waiting to see what the the end results are going to be because, like, they have some pretty slick looking hardware, and what they want to do looks really cool. But like the keyboard mapping to the to the controller, we've been doing that for how long now with Joydiki? 
Like it's just, it's something that I, I can't really get too excited about because we already have stuff in place that lets us do that. It's I don't know. I it's I want to be excited about it, but I find it really hard to be. Yeah, like I, I we know as Valve goes, so goes most of the industry. So if they finally do put their full weight behind this, I'm sure it will be successful. But like, but how many different models and versions have we seen of that controller over the years? And it still looks uncomfortable as hell to hold. Like, I was just look at the thing with the gigantic freaking trigger one. buttons and uh, for, no, even the original Xbox. That's what I'm talking about. Controller <laughs> didn't didn't look that unwieldy. <laughs> All right. We also got in other programming news. There is a new Unity 5 game engine out as well, too, which looks slick as hell. So we can expect some nice looking games from that. That's actually the one that uh, Crowfall is going to be using as well. So that's going to be. Yeah, I'd, say, I'd say overall that's more important to the industry than Source 2. Uh, I would agree. Quite likely, yeah. yeah. And then we got this Pamela game demoed. Vince, I'm going to let you take it. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of this at all until you posted the article up there. It came well under the radar. But yeah, this game called Pamela due out at some point next year from a studio NVYVE. I don't know if that's supposed to be an acronym or some weird Canadian shit, but that's the name of the studio. And I really like some of what we're seeing with this game. It's such a blend of genres. Like it has, of course, some roguelike elements because it's 2015 and any game that comes out needs to have some roguelike elements. But there's also a blend of like survival horror to it. Like there's a lot lot of kind of dead space feeling that I get from what a little bit I've seen of this because it's the sci-fi setting where as the player you wake up in just a body they say it's even randomly generated uh, and even so far as the abilities that your bionic arm is going to have it's all going to be randomly generated within the game and the title uh, pamela is the ai companion that joins you and guides you through the missions but it's not like a cortana or a gladys type ai It's sort of almost a hive mind among the other inhabitants of Eden, the world that it takes place in. So it gives this very decision-oriented, almost tactical gameplay of in the the survival and the horror elements, you want to kind of thin the herd to increase your survivability. But that's going to reduce the effectiveness of the AI because there's that much fewer mobile computing platforms in the area. So there's a very big risk reward. Do you want the the AI to be as powerful as possible and give you access to extra things but be more at threat from your own physical standpoint or go the other direction and take out the threats but then potentially be screwed and trapped? So there's some really creative stuff they're doing with the concept that I, I really like. I saw this and I almost lost my shit. <laughs> it is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Absolutely. And it really felt like when you start that that trailer and you're watching, it feels like you woke up in Mass Effect. You know? Oh, the graphical styles, absolutely. It looks like you're walking through the Citadel. Yeah, you woke up in the Citadel, but nobody's there kind of thing. But the Reapers took over. Yeah. (laughs) And you have to like 
navigate your way around and decide whether or not you want to take them out or not or whatever. But it's very much, it, it's, it, again, it may as well have been done as if it was point blank supposed to be the Citadel and Mass Effect. It's just, it has that look and feel nailed down. And, and it's the, the, the tension is palpable as it starts getting darker kind of thing. And you go like, oh shit, what's going to happen now? And for all of the nerd raging about their, their things saying that it uses up the 90% of your brain that you don't use kind of thing. And cause everybody knows that's not exactly true. The concept of using some of that brain power, regardless of how much it is. Yeah, don't, you don't need to put a number on yeah, there. Really, just you know, the relax, guys. That's not what's important with the fucking story. The, the The concept of that, like you said, that hive mind and everything is super interesting because, like you said, you, you then have to decide, like, are you going to just go in whatever blazing, whether it's a laser, whatever off of your arm, whatever you can find and just play it safe by destroying everybody or be a lot more tactical and sneaky going around. And if it has some of those elements where you can, you know, stealth around in different things versus going in fighting, man, that's just freaking awesome. I, the, the, the demo, so not the demo, but even just a trailer sold me on this looks awesome. And this is all pre-alpha footage, too, that we're seeing, yeah, too. Like, this isn't really even alpha footage. This is, I mean, they're going in a good direction with this. This is this is right up my alley, uh, everything about it. It's got that system shock feel to it almost, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And I, I it just everything you guys have said, I can't, I can't echo it enough. It just, it looks like this is going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. We also had an interesting panel here for Destiny. And again, it wasn't to announce anything new, but rather just to give us information that we've already experienced now and some of how they how they worked with different aspects to create the game as well. And I thought that was fairly cool. Vince, I'll let you take this as well. Yeah, like say what you will about Destiny and, you know, its story and its content and all. There's one thing you can't doubt, and that's Bungie just makes very good quality games. And Destiny, just like the Halo games before it, had an incredibly high level of just flat out playability. It it plays very well. It's smooth. It sucks you in and you just want to keep playing because it's fun just to play the game, regardless of what your goal and you know, your your end game is. So it was really cool when they're talking about exactly how they approached from an animation standpoint, because especially in Destiny, there's a lot more different animation qualities from what we've seen in their games previously and in a lot of other games altogether with the different character classes. And the, they, they really focused on uh, the melee strikes. And they said how they didn't just want a static camera like, you know, it's Doom was a long time ago. You're allowed to move the camera a bit as the character is moving. But they also didn't want it to be realistic because, well, that's pretty damn jarring from a video game standpoint. So they had to do a lot of studies. And one of the studies that they really worked with was from a boxer and how the boxer moves his head in comparison with his body. You know, he'll shift it to the one side and then he'll bring it back. And they implemented a lot of that into their animation and camera system. And it's such a minuscule part of the design of the game but now that you know it's there yeah. it's it it's fascinating yeah it's noticeable 
It's it's noticeable when you play. And I can say that because I, I spent like three or four goddamn hours <laughs> playing last night. Did you get that icebreaker this I, weekend? The, the, no, that was last weekend. I did manage oh, okay. to get it. But now that they've introduced the looking for group for the strikes, it's a lot easier because you don't have to worry about, you know, whoever friends you had on or not. And so you could just queue up. The problem is, is that 95% of the groups are complete shit. So it takes forever ever to get one done so bungie is finally an actual mmo yeah it is it was like freaking wow looking for a group it's terrible but uh but so i was playing for for quite a while last night now again i play a, a cross platform play so the wife's watching the show or we're watching something i'll just play on my vita and it just handles so well and after watching that video or the where they were talking about it it's kind of cool because then you can appreciate more what goes into each of the animations Especially because I've leveled all three classes into the 20s. I know, Roger, you had two. Did you ever get your Titan up? Oh, yeah. I got them all up. And it is very noticeable when you're playing it. Like yeah. That's why I just love playing the Titan. The animation on that freaking melee attack, which is just a straight-up right hook to the enemy's jaw, is so visceral. And I punch everything <laughs> in that game just because I can, because it feels so good. Regardless of whether or not it's effective. <laughs> well, it's true. It's like each one of them, whether you're looking at the Warlock with his push that sets things on fire, depending on what abilities you use, or the knife from the Hunter, each of those abilities is so well crafted. And the other thing that I can appreciate more, too, after watching this is how slick the entire process is, whether you're throwing a grenade or swapping weapons or whatever, the placement of the weapon on the screen, everything to mm-hmm. maximize the aesthetics, but also make it so that it's the least jarring possible. So you don't have like a motion sickness kind of thing when you're playing it. Yeah, they, they did their research and it shows and the quality of the game itself. Like I said, regardless of how you feel about any of the other aspects, it, I dare anyone to say that it doesn't actually play well. Yeah, yeah. Again, I'm still playing it. And I will continue, especially now that the strikes are are in there. Looking for group, even though the groups are bad, it's still fun to go in and just shoot shit up. And then collect your coins so that you can buy more more awesome gear. (laughs) Okay, let's, (laughs) let's move on to PAX East now. This one was cool. There was a bunch of information that was that was presented. We also got some really good Twitch streams. The first Twitch stream that actually came out that I saw was the Blizzard one. I didn't actually get to watch the entire thing, but there was a wealth of information for Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm and Hearthstone. And Joe, I'm going to let you take this. So Overwatch kind of, I don't want to say stole the show for Blizzard, but it really was a great showing. They made a couple really big announcements. First of all was the characters, and those are the ones I'm going to touch on. Uh, We had our lovely Zarya, who is the Russian bodybuilder turned warrior straight out of, you know, the Arctic Circle, you know, Siberia, who left a war-torn world. Basically, her her entire life was in this post-Omni war-torn civilization to go fight for what's right and good and her visuals are fantastic and she's a freaking heavy and i don't mean like 
you know, she's big and fat and she's big and beefy. Sure. She's got a goddamn particle cannon. And that particle cannon is amazing. The visual effects on it are super damn cool, whether it's throwing out a giant laser of destruction, whether it's shielding herself and running around, uh, whether it's shielding somebody else in her party. Uh, or if the my personal favorite, the Graviton Surge, her ultimate, is just this giant black hole that she summons that pulls everybody into it. And it's fantastic. Everything about this character is super cool. The visual style, the attitude, it's just a really fun character. And she captured the hearts of pretty much everybody that saw her. I think my Twitter stream exploded yeah. 10 seconds after she yeah. was on that screen. <laughs> What I liked is that, and I'm not a fan of Jeff Kaplan's, and that's just because of who he was before Blizzard and, and this yeah. and things, and some of the different things that he said. He's like one eye twitch away from having a nervous breakdown when he's like crippling stage fright, it looks like, at points. <laughs> and I've noticed that every time that he's on stage. But anyways, that being said, um, recently... And it wasn't that long ago. Like, Blizzard has shoved their feet in their mouth in terms of their little boys club and not wanting to change. And and it caused some people to stop playing. And some people who've been playing for a long time who we respected, you know, and who had blogs and everything mm -hmm. said, no, that's it. After those last comments, I can't support this anymore. That said, when he was saying, listen, we've been hearing you guys as you've been saying you want more diversity and things like that and here's a step in the right direction for that so you have to respect that and it is a very strong character that has good lore behind mm -hmm. it too like he was saying like she wanted to be a professional bodybuilder and dropped all that to do what is right and fight because that's what's right. And so he, the way he explained the lore behind her was something that you could respect. And he was saying like, you want to grow up to be this person. Like this is, this is the idea of a good, strong, not just female, but person. And, and I like that. <laughs> my one, my one complaint with her, why did they have to go with the stereotype of the strong Russian woman? Why did actually, it have there's, because there's it's Blizzard? <laughs> actually, no, 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 no. There is a rumor that she's actually modeled off of one of the longtime players that stopped playing a long time ago. Hmm. Um, that was one of the first ones to drop off. She looks incredibly like this person in real life. So there's a rumor going okay. around that she was the model. Okay, if that's the case, then that that's awesome. If that, if in fact that's the case, but for me, when I like they're announcing and talking, I'm going, "This is freaking awesome! Way to go, guys! You know that's that's great." And then it's like Russian. I'm going, "Oh, you had to throw in at least one stereotype." <laughs> they strong oh, like yeah. bull Russian woman, and I'm going, "Oh, come on!" If you're looking for people to model other characters on, I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> He'll kill everything in his path. You don't have to be perfect. I'm going to reserve comment there. Okay, go on. <laughs> So now the second character, which is a very interesting one to me, is McCree. Uh, he is a former villain, essentially. Uh, he was a gang member who was in jail, given a chance to either 
uh, enlist and fight uh, as part of the Overwatch's covert ops or basically sit in prison. And so he decided to like, well, you know, prison sucks. I'm going to go ahead and fight. At least I'm out there. And slowly the character starts to realize that, hey, maybe I can actually do some good. It's kind of a cliche story, um, but he's super awesome as far as like his character goes. He's got the Peacekeeper, which is a six-shot revolver in space, which, I mean, that's amazing. You know, it's futuristic, six shooters. It's everything you have possibly wanted. Um, it's got great animations on it. I love the reload animations that they showed with it, with them flipping out the uh, the quick load. That's awesome. That's actually one of – it's almost modeled identically to the um, one of the six shooters that's in Destiny. And it's one of the ones that I have. It's an exotic. and it The has last that, word I think is awesome. Yeah, and you, you fan it as well when you are, are shooting. And it's got that same flip animation. And so when I saw this, it was like, they copied it almost exactly, but I'm all right with that because it's, it's, it's yeah. so awesome. It's classic six shooter trope and you can't go wrong yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, he's got a little bit of a combat role, which lets him instantly recharge while dodging in the direction he was running. And of course, he's got a flashbang grenade because, well, flashbangs are fun. Uh, and then he's got his ultimate ability, which is Deadeye, uh, which basically he takes uh, careful aim. Uh, he shoots every enemy in his line of sight. So basically he takes a mark and then just shoots everybody with these awesome reticles. Now, a couple things about this character that I find really intriguing. First of all, there's very obvious visual connotations to the old uh, the old spaghetti westerns and our, uh, our boy Clint Eastwood. Um, there's also a lot of interesting, uh, I want to say almost digs at Wildstar. I don't know if you guys noticed that with the visual appearance mm. and the fact that, you know, his ultimate is called what, Deadeye? I think that's really hilarious. There's just a, there's just little little tiny things like that. I just kind of caught that uh, that feel that they're like, oh, you guys like exiles? Here's a six shooting space guy. Yeah, man, man, I'm alright with that. I I thought the the, the class looked friggin' awesome, and again, that the shooter ty- uh, shooter play from it looked really friggin' tight. So I I think I've mentioned this before, but the thing I love most about Overwatch is that you can tell their design philosophy was just make everything as broken and overpowered as possible. Mm -hmm. Because if people are going to complain about one character being overpowered, they might as well complain about all the characters being overpowered. Turn everything up to 11. Yeah. So the other interesting thing, too, with uh, McCree and Zyra being announced, and we talked about diversity earlier, is this marks an exact even split still between male and female characters in this game, there is an exact even split of the sexes represented, which is a big step up for Blizzard. Just wanted to throw that out Mm -hmm. there. Now, we also got uh, to see a little bit of the new map, uh, the Watchpoint Gibraltar, which is a payload map. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know, payload is the, we we covered it before, but it's the style where you have to escort um, a payload to what they call the victory pad, but basically it's just the end of the route. Uh, and if you get it there, great, fantastic. If you don't, well, you lose. Um, the reason that it's important here, at least, is because we're starting to get our first glimpse of how they're going to really start to introduce story. Hallelujah. In Watchpoint <laughs> Watch Gibraltar, um, their players are going to pass the lab of Winston the Ape. He's the giant mechanized ape guy, you know. 
And while there's no single player mode in this game, they're starting to talk about how you're going to pass these these areas and there's going to be cinematics introduced as well to build the story around the actual battlefields themselves and sort of give players something to be invested in, which I think is really kind of interesting and cool. It's a nice little way to kind of throw that in because everybody's big gripe with these type of games is, oh, they say there's going to be a story, but how are you going to do it? Blizzard might be solving that. And the location, I've seen the, the stills that they showed, it's gorgeous. It looks absolutely phenomenal. And I can't wait to just run around there. And I will probably be playing as McCree. Uh, but it's just absolutely, like, it just looks good. And it looks like they've put so much into making it not so much just a super high res fantasy, but you could see this as potentially being something that we would see in our lifetime or in the future. Like it looks like a real city that's been upgraded over time. And I think that was really cool. The actually the videos that they did have during the, the Twitch stream that showed off some of the, the new map and whatnot. It is slick as hell. And it was cool hearing, hearing him talk to you about um, what the hell is the name of the gorilla again? Winston. 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 Because Winston's got a lab. And he, mm-hmm. they were saying like a lot of the lore is going to be in in the settings. So it's, yes, they're going they're going to do videos and whatnot because they do want to introduce story. And that I was so happy, as was everybody in the audience. You could hear them. It was like that's great, and to the point where they want as much story in the game as are found in their other IPs, which is ambitious. But hey. Go for it, guys. So for Winston's lab, they, he was saying, like, take your time and look around because they put so much effort into everything, including the blackboard that's got all kinds of stuff on it. And so a lot of the lore of that time is going to be what you take in from the environment and see around you as well. Just don't do it in the middle of a firefight. It's going to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> all the time. If, if you If you want to kill me... Just look there. I'm yeah. sure I'll just be staring at a wall. <laughs> All right. Um, we also had some Heroes of the Storm. So Heroes of the Storm is a game that you either love it or you hate it, but you can't. You got to admit they're doing a lot of interesting things with it. First, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm of the fence that I, I, while I don't particularly care for the game, I appreciate it for what it is as an action RPG. Um, they introduced our one of everybody's favorite scream queens, uh, Sylvanas uh, Windrunner. Basically, is back, and she's badass. And the intro sequence that they showed with her was phenomenal. With oh, her being yeah. run down by the Lich King, and then all of a sudden, oops, your guys are my guys. Uh, that was really, really nifty. And I like the fact that they're doing that with every character that they introduce. They're giving a little bit of um, a story uh, sort of intro trailer, which is kind of cool. And it just introduces you to the visuals of the character, shows you their different abilities, and I think that's really awesome. A lot of people were also very excited to hear this, uh, as my Twitter stream also exploded with pictures of Sylvanas Windrunner. You can't say Sylvanas without people wigging out, though. Yeah, it's like people just lose their shit. Um, She's got a lot of control, uh, so she can basically shut down minions and towers, which is interesting. Uh, so she's a pure siege character, which anybody who's played any type of MOBA style game, siege characters, when left unattended, just destroy everything in their path. So she's going to have to be watched. You can't just leave her be. And she can shut down mercenaries, which is also important because a lot of the maps that are out there, when you hire mercenaries or you get the mercenary buffs, that plays a big part in him, including the new map, which is the Tomb of the Spider Queen. 
which apparently has been referred to as a knife fight in a closet, which is a very interesting description. It's a small map uh, that's going to focus more on heavy combat and less on downtime, uh, which is interesting to me because the Heroes of the Storm maps are already small by MOBA standards and force you very close to your opponents immediately, which allows for quicker games. I'm wondering how long this is going to last, just as far as, like, like time-wise as far as game matches go on this map because it seems like if it's that small and the towers are that close together because in the visuals that i saw those towers are really damn close together i, I don't know like I'm, I'm not sold on it yet it's just another alternate game type though and that, that's one of the things i do like about heroes of the storm that each map is unique and it, they all play differently you have to go in with a different strategy so you know if you're going into the the closet you know make sure you bring a good knife <laughs> All right, moving on to Hearthstone. They had yep. been what? Yep, let's go. <laughs> okay, so yeah, because it had been rumored that we were getting another expansion, and sure enough, we are. And in keeping with their their raids, WoW raids, this time they're going with Black Rock Mountain. So we are going to get a crap load of freaking dwarves and lava creatures. So and I'll dragons, take Can't it away for this too. So we're getting our next adventure, which uh, adventure is one of the cool things I do like about uh, yes. Hearthstone. And I like it because I like PVE card content. It's If you've listened to us in the past, you've listened to us talk about games like Hex. It's one of the things that interests us just as much, if not more, than playing other players. And I like the idea of having stories. Next Ramos was a big hit, and now we're getting to go into Black Rock Mountain. Um there's a lot of cool things here where we're going to start seeing uh, the classic story elements. Uh, we're going to get through the Dark Iron Dwarves, the Fire Elementals, the Dragons that are all fighting for the mountain, and we're going to be thrown into the middle of it. And I thought that was really, really interesting. Uh, the pricing on it is going to be standard, what they what they have for as far as, you know, what is right now. It's like, what, 700 in-game gold, which is like, I think, like seven bucks. But that's for each wing Wait. where you can buy the entire thing for 25 bucks. The way that I look at it is the you get a certain amount of cards for completing each one because I'm assuming they're going to do the same thing as the yeah it's going to be the exact same format so you get cards for that it's not just the gameplay but you also get cards and cards uh, what's that and they're usually good cards oh yeah yeah. no they're not like they're not crappy common cards you get out of these adventures when you complete wings like in in Exoramus you get good playable cards cards. Oh, yeah. and hell, even some legendaries, actually. There's the, the legendary spider that you get, which Xena. is very useful. But, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. But the other thing, too, is that it's fun because it's not a – like, I don't mind playing against other people in, in, in Hearthstone just because I don't have to worry about – trash talking and stupidity you may as well be playing against the computer and that's fine i could care less but what i like about um nax is the level of difficulty that's introduced Mm -hmm. because you play it on regular and some of it is pretty tough let's be honest if you don't have the right deck for it and you got to swap out your cards and this and that and matching specifically to whatever boss you're going up against but you play that shit on heroic they are not messing around. No. And so you have this this goal of I'm going to keep going. I'm going to try different cards. I'm going to do whatever. And even if it's just RNG, I'm going to beat this motherfucker. And so I really like that aspect to it. It keeps you coming back to continue trying. So this here, awesome. They already talked about one of the bosses, how it was pretty hard on regular, but on 
heroic. It's just batshit crazy. <laughs> and because he plays one of your cards as well as one of his right from the deck to his battlefield. You're talking about Dire Brew? Yeah. And yeah, because Dyerbrew is a fucking bastard. Well, because they were saying, too, you're not just fighting him. You're fighting the entire bar, which is taken right from the actual encounter. So I like how they twist different elements of the, the, the wow encounters and make it work in a TCG environment. That is I, I even if I stop playing wow, I will continue playing the card game just because I love that. Absolutely. And I find and like I find myself at first I was very hesitant to like Hearthstone because I didn't like the idea that the decks were being so small and I didn't I didn't enjoy that. But I find myself now that they've released it on tablets, which also we should note it's now available for Android. Yeah. Which is very <laughs> important. <laughs> but for those of you that have tablets, I find myself playing it a lot more on my tablet than I do at the computer. And it fits very, very well with it now that I've been playing it because it's like I'll be sitting like trying to go to sleep and I can't sleep. And I just started playing it. And then I started realizing that it is very, very smooth. It is very, oh, yeah. very well yeah. done. And then seeing that they're starting to do things like the adventures and putting as much care into them as they are, I am completely okay with this game, like I really enjoy Hearthstone, which is something I didn't think I would say six months ago. And it's got me excited for the next ones because, you know, we've seen next. Now we're going to see Black Rock Mountain. You know, we're going to be going as much as I hate Outlands in freaking <laughs> WoW in the TCG might be different. That might actually be a ton of fun. And eventually to Lich King and stuff like there's, I'm really looking forward to those encounters being brought in as well. Okay. Let's move on. Was there any other, uh, there was a little Starcraft, wasn't there? Or I honestly, it's been so little, like they announced more of the, uh, legacy of the void stuff, but it wasn't anything too groundbreaking and it wasn't anything that was too exciting, which is interesting because I, I'm not sure. I, like I started looking back at it. They've really let StarCraft kind of drop off as far as like being a, a heavy Seriously. IP. Yeah. Although like, I, re- I don't know about you guys. I haven't heard basically anything. Last I heard was when they released the Warcraft assets to be used. And then there was a freaking video that somebody put out showing like basically Warcraft 3 kind of thing done yeah. in StarCraft 2. And it was Starcraft like, 2, yeah. I want this now. <laughs> like, <laughs> right friggin' now. And then I didn't hear any WoW news or Diablo either. Both of those are pretty stagnant right now. Yeah, so. um, and that one I can actually, at least I can answer to, is because they don't really have anything in the pipe anytime soon. Yeah. Well, the only thing... Uh, for- I, I've been hearing that we may be seeing something from Diablo soon. Maybe? That's just what I've been hearing, though. Okay. All right, let's move My on. My sources indicate. <laughs> <laughs> Those are reliable sources. Rub, rub, the, uh, rub the crystal ball. Okay, let's jump to the crystal. Gearbox stuff because there were several different panels for Gearbox. There was one live Twitch stream that I watched as well that was fantastic. Had a bunch of stuff, that, some stupidity, but some really cool stuff it was also with the voice actors. But they talked about the next DLC. They talked about the Handsome Jack collection, and they also talked about Borderlands, or Tales from the Borderlands, Episode 2. So, Vince, I'll let you take this. Well, yeah, let's start off with uh, pre-sequel and the announcement of the latest DLC, Claptastic Voyage, 
which, first of all, that's hilarious. Thanks, guys. But it's basically taking the two best things they've ever done. Claptrap's Clap Robot Revolution from the first Borderlands and Tiny Tina's whatever the heck it was called, I forget, from Borderlands 2, smashing them together and just giving us that DLC because instead of Tiny Tina's mind, we're going into Claptrap's mind and oh, dear God. <laughs> it was awesome. That trailer oh, was freaking so incredible. And the soundtrack for that trailer was like, it fit so perfectly. And one thing I really like about this, even though the DLC isn't going to be out in time for it to be included in the Handsome Jack collection that Roger and I are buying very soon, comes out, what, two weeks, I think? If that. Yeah, Isn't it, it coming out on the 24th? I, I forget I the, yeah, so about two weeks. That it's still part of the season pass. So if you buy the Handsome Jack collection on Xbox One or PS4, you can download this for free. Yep. That's cool of them. I was not expecting that. I said, oh, I'm going to buy the Handsome Jack collection and then I'm going to have to pay $14.99 for the freaking Claptrap DLC. No, no, I already knew that it was going to be included. Yeah, everything about this this trailer and the announcement and, and everything was freaking awesome. Because you got Handsome Jack is the one sending them into his brain and just the visuals while in his brain had me like it was one of those, you know, take my money now i i cannot wait for that handsome collection to come out so that i can start playing it on uh on the ps4 it's mm. going to be amazing i'm sorry like you they had like you said they had me at the music they had me at the the trailer and then just like the weird psychologically trauma inflicting visuals of confetti and giant handsome jack faces i need to play this all right so and then we got the information about the Tales from the Borderlands episode two as well. Yeah, that's uh, going to be out next Tuesday, the seventeenth. So very excited for that. This trailer was awesome, though. Like it just hit on every mark: music, character, uh, like you said, really hyping up Handsome Jack's holograms role in the. But some cool stuff that they're doing there, and we all love Jack. So it's great that even after they killed him off, he can be an awesome character. And then the little reveal at the end, we knew one of the characters is going to have to show up in this episode, kind of like how Zero was in the first one. But the little reveal that it's going to be Athena yeah. from pre sequel that was unexpected. I exactly, I did not expect that at all. Hmm. So, which is too bad because I haven't been playing the goddamn pre sequel. Part of the fun of seeing those characters in is because you've either played with them or as them, so it has mm-hmm. more impact. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, crap. All I know is that the the characters from the pre-sequel were actually working for Jack. So I haven't played pre-sequel, so this will be my first real experience with her. And so it'll be interesting to see how she fits in. They were saying during their their panel how how many more lines were in the script than in the first one? Like this one is quite a bit beefier. So I am really looking forward to that. So let's look at some other stuff that we heard about as well. There was, did you guys look at the video for Adrift? No. No. I'd heard about it before, but they showed a little bit more here. And that's the one that's basically like, um, um, Gravity with uh, Sandra Bullock. So you're stuck in space and you're bouncing Mm -hmm. around and you're trying to survive kind of thing. And it was really cool, actually. There was some some good information that they they were giving us in terms of the gameplay and the the stuff like that. And and it's going to have a lot of 
unlockables at stuff that you just find because they show like you are literally wandering around out in space and there's like, it's all busted up. And so you're seeing a whole bunch of different stuff. And, uh, and so you're going to be finding different, also some recordings they were saying and, and different things like that. So it's as a, as a game that isn't just about putting a gun in your hand and telling you to point and shoot, but you know, explore, survive, and things like that. I really thought that was that was fairly cool. And then mm-hmm. on the opposite end of the spectrum, you got Splatoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you hear about the lines for that game? It was ridiculous, from what I heard. I had a couple friends that went there, and they said that it was probably the longest line they saw the entirety of PAX. Who wouldn't want to play it? Exactly. A, you don't get many new Nintendo IPs come out. And B, Mm -hmm. it just looks like so much fun. And I like how they were saying again that, you know, if if your team is spending too much time trying to, quote unquote, kill the other squids and just shoot at them versus painting everything, one person can go out and win the game for the other team just by going out and painting everything their color. And it was freaking awesome as hell. And then the... The gameplay itself looks slick. Like it, bad pun, but it looks really, really quite good. And so that, it was awesome. Like when they were freaking, they were saying too, you can jump straight up, get an aerial view of everything and then jump back down and keep going. It's like, holy crap, this looks like fun. Well, they're talking about how the movement is so important in that game. And well, yeah, yeah, it looks like it definitely is going to be. Yeah. Uh, Another one, Behemoth's fourth game. And they don't have a title for it yet. That's the one that's a very tactical game. And of course, I've said before, too, I love tactical games and I love Behemoth games. And this one here, they were saying that even though it's not done, is one of their best so far in terms of how well it runs in this stage. I can't remember if they said it's an alpha or beta now, but it's running incredibly smooth, works really well. And everyone that I read their comments about it had nothing but great things to say about it. I would imagine that it's probably uh, pre-alpha or alpha. It doesn't have a name yet. Yeah. Well, they don't name their games until quite late. And it's got that same, you know, Castle Crashers humor that we're used to and, and, and love from them as well. And the tactics portion is is very good and fast because you're not micromanaging to the point of selecting abilities for everybody as well. You just know what their abilities are, then you place them somewhere, and then the AI takes over and decide what abilities to use in combat. So I thought that was pretty fun too. It could make for some nice, fast, tactical games. No more sitting there and pouring over a decision button one or button two, two. button one or button... (laughs) No, just go fucking over there and go do something. (laughs) What am I paying you for? Um, We got some gameplay from Witcher 3 footage that was man don't make me buy this game people (laughs) (laughs) joe you wanted to talk about this yes now this this is a game that i am super excited for (laughs) the witcher 3 wild what's with the mad scientist voice oh 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 vince Oh, Vince. Um, it, we finally got to see some of the gameplay footage, including like the Witcher sounds, which anybody who's played any of the Batman Arkham games, similar to Detective Sight. Uh, so it's not going to be too anything out of the ordinary. What caught me here is that they they very clearly simplified the magic system. Um, and I don't know, like you have you guys have played the previous games. I can't remember. No. 
I played the first two hours of the first one. Okay, so the magic system got incredibly super goddamn fucking complicated in the second game, where it was like some Harry Potter shit where you had to fucking make weird gestures with the mouse and push certain buttons. It was it was a travesty. It was ridiculously hard, and it just made you want to, like, not touch it. Here, you map it to a button. That's it. It's got a cooldown. You map it to a button. You saw him roasting a wyvern with just like, <laughs> oh, look, yeah, I could just, here's a blowtorch out of my hand. That's what this game is, and that's ridiculously cool. Um, I like the idea of the time manipulation that was in there was kind of cool. You can set kind of like a trap and have things run into it and slow down so you can easily maneuver around them, get better attack angles. Um, there's a little dark, dark Solian element where you can, you know, put oils on your weapons to make them more effective, like kind of putting the, the whole resin on your weapons in Dark Souls. Um, there's a lot of interesting tiny little mechanics that are going on in there. But it's all really, really kind of cool. Um, one of the things that got me about it was how visually stunning this is already. Um, just the way that the cloth was moving, the individual blades of grass were moving was very, very cool. The way that things were reacting with you moving through them. And that visual at the end of that gameplay trailer where it just looks over the bay was just so fucking gorgeous. Um, I, everything I'm seeing from that, I mean, I know I'm buying this game, but I want it. I want it the hell now. Like, I don't want it. I don't want to wait till summer. I want it now. Yeah. <laughs> I think they made a big deal. This Wyvern's going to be tough as hell. Prep your blade, all that. He took it up fairly easily. I got to say, you, yeah. it wasn't that hard. <laughs> he came out full health. I'm like, pretty sure they had it on easy. Yeah. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> I yeah, it, it did look really slick. It it did it looked very good. Unfortunately, because well, fortunately maybe for me, because I don't have the history with the IP, I'm not invested. And it's one of those if it's great, fantastic, maybe I'll try it out. But I'm not dying for it. So, but I can certainly respect anybody who is, especially based on what we saw. You'll add it to your Steam library at half price next year. Eventually, yeah. It'll be like five bucks, and I'll be like, well, I have to for five bucks. It doesn't matter that I never played one and two. It's five bucks. One day I will play that. I might. Hey, listen, I finished a game. I finished a game. (laughs) I finished it, and it was like, take that, you bastards. (laughs) I finished it. Joker's freaking pounded up. I did it. So, yes. It was hard though. <laughs> Final fight until you actually figure out what the sh- what you're supposed to be doing. Kind of a pain in the ass, but friggin' awesome. I really was impressed. I hadn't actually watched anything about it. I managed for years to avoid any videos about it. So when it actually happened, I was like, "Ooh, this is cool." And then I punched him in the face. Yet another game <laughs> takes the goddamn control away from the player and makes it into cinematic. And I was like, "You." Mm-hmm. I wanted to deliver that final blow. That said, it was pretty awesome anyways. Um, another game that I am certainly not invested in but looked freaking awesome was Final Fantasy XV because that gameplay footage looked incredibly fun. It is very pretty, I will say that much. But this is one of those games that the more I see the less interested I am. Like, graphically, it's friggin' gorgeous, but it just looks boring and not fun to play. Like, and again, continuing with the whole 
bromance storyline going on here that's completely uninteresting of is that it's a cool concept for a story structure but not not it, the characters aren't doing anything for me they're just all basically four copies of the same character and the combat just it's not working for me at all like i just i don't know if i'm gonna get this hmm it I looks thought, cool i thought the combat <laughs> actually looked pretty slick myself I, I don't know what I, what i've seen isn't really appealing to me hmm. okay all right uh let's move on to shovel knights plague of shadows dlc so that's got you excited, Joe. This actually makes me very happy because it's uh, it's Shovel Knight, which is one of my f- all-time favorite games. Like, it's in my top ten of all time at this point. I absolutely love this game. But now we're getting a mode of the game where you can play through as one of the villains. You can actually play through the entire game as Plague Knight. And it's really kind of cool because it changes how you play each level because there's completely different mechanics like charging attacks, how he attacks things. Um, you can't bounce on enemies anymore because if you touch them, you just, you know, you die. Uh, you get to throw grenades, so you have a bunch of ranged attacks. Uh, but he has all sorts of different alchemical sort of upgrades that he gets to use instead of having like relics. It's just really kind of cool because I like playing through games like that because it gives you a different way to look at things a different way to experience the game. And it seems really simple, but if you look at uh, any of the Mega Mans where you got to play through as multiple characters, it completely just changes and adds to the replay value of the game. And I'm very excited to see that personally. Okay. Hell, I'm excited for it. Yeah. All right, let's rip through some of the games that um, were announced. That I know for some of them, I hadn't even heard about them, but we'll go through them quickly because some of them were, were interesting. Severed for the PS Vita. Looked very cool. Very cool art style because it's the guacamole guys. And the story behind it is supposed to be fantastic. A lot of fun. Plus they make really good use of the touchscreen, which is something that not enough games are actually doing effectively. So it actually looked very cool. Yeah, like it, it's it's another game that I had not heard of until this uh, news came out. And I was like, man, I might actually have to pay for a game on my Vita. Yeah, really? And then Dad by the Sword, just for silliness of, you know, everybody's got a dad that's not really so much a gamer. Let's put him in a game. The graphics were kind of lacking. Not kind of. The graphics were lacking. But just in terms of style and having fun, it looked like it might be cute. Necropolis was one that, until I saw the gameplay footage kind of thing, I was like, Mm -hmm. "Eh, not so sure, you know. Then I saw it and I was like, Sold. I'll buy it. Wind Waker meets Dark Souls. It looks gorgeous. And it all the things that it talked about, the the story behind it and everything, to incorporate that Dark Souls gameplay where you're gonna die, but there's different things that you can do to avoid combat too, like that monster take him to eat the crystal people kind of thing. All of those things, like it was like that's intelligent. That's very intelligent gameplay. I like it. I That's on my radar now. I'm dying to play it. Well, it makes it engaging gameplay, yep. too, not just intelligent gameplay. Like, it keeps you invested in looking around and figuring exactly, out Exactly, yeah. One of the other games that we are very excited for is Final Fantasy XIV. Now, I say we are excited for simply because we're not actually playing it right now. Joe, I know that you did the trial. But I did. did. Did you go beyond that at all? Um, I have not because it's one of those things where 
I have a hard time justifying two monthly subscriptions at this time. Yeah. But it, I can definitely see the value in it. I had a ton of fun. It's one of those like, things where everyone that I speak to who plays this game raves about it. The community, by the sound of it, is second only to Guild Wars 2, again, from what I've very heard. Healthy. Very, very, very good you know what? community. I, I want to touch on that. The people that I interacted with as a complete freaking noob were incredibly helpful and nice. Yeah. And, like, nobody talked shit. I, like, literally, it was just like, what do I do? Like, where do I go? And they were like, oh, here it is, and this is a shortcut to this, and... Everybody was so good. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Final Fantasy XIV is the game wherein um, at the end of instance runs and things like that, you can assign tokens to people who were helpful. If I'm not mistaken, um, somebody was telling me that. So it. Oh, no, I never got into an instance run because the queue times were too large for DPS. Yeah, no, I'm I'm almost positive. That's the reason I stopped playing. I couldn't get into any of the instances. The queues were too long. That's the only reason I stopped playing that game. I'm going to do find out, but I'm, again, I'm almost positive. And it was, it was Belgas on, on Twitter who was talking about, yes, it is. It's definitely Final Fantasy because for a while I was considering picking it up because it comes on sale often and I was considering picking it up, but just like you guys, it's hard to justify yet another paid MMO. And I have a couple on the go. So it's like, yeah. And so I would like to try it though. And he was saying one of the great things that makes the community great too is that at the end of any grouping, you can assign kind of a this person was great token and really helpful or whatever at the end of the instance. And then once a person has enough of those, they can cash that in for different things. So it, it really incentivizes people to be nice and to actually be as helpful as possible so that they get that nod at the end that they can then use as a form of currency. And I thought that's freaking brilliant. We need more of that in every other MMO. We need more of that in every game that involves playing with multiple people. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm- Something I talked about two years ago and made a big stink about, and I'm happy to see the games are starting to implement it. Yeah. I, I With the announcement of this expansion, it really has me, like, ooh, I might just I'm about to it. make a bad decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> yeah. Because I, and they're doing so much good with it in terms of improving upon it that it's going to be at the same level as what we're seeing with other MMOs. And then not just that, but the more that I I heard and read from Yoshida, who's not just the director, but also the producer. So he was saying, like, I do whatever I want with this game. And that vision is actually what is has raised that game from not so great to spectacular. So he's, with the exception of his bad hair, <laughs> dude has <laughs> incredible style. So Vince, what I'm going to let you... Has done- because we talked about Final Fantasy XIV you know, 1.0 when it came <laughs> out, which was when we were on the air. And we rightfully wrecked the shit wrecked out because it was a terrible game. game. And we even joked about the approach they were making to fix it. And we're like, we're not sure this is going to work. It worked. <laughs> like This is one time I am happy to say we were proven fucking wrong. It's one of the most brilliantly hilarious things I've seen that the fact that the game failed, got shut down and relaunched is actually part of the story of the game when you start out. Mm-hmm. 
That's brilliant. But anyway, as, as for the game itself, <laughs> like we said, it plays great. It's gorgeous. Like, there's nothing bad I can say about this game except, like I said, the fact that dungeons were required for story progression and queue times were interminable for me is the reason I stopped playing when I tried it out uh, a while back when it first came out, actually. I was like, I was really liking it. But when they announced this new expansion, Heaven's Word, oh my goodness, there is some <laughs> cool shit in here and it's coming out soon it's gonna be out on june 23rd uh a week early or four days early if you pre-order and first of all you're getting one of the things they said is that they don't want to put out little expansions they say every expansion they put out wants to be the same amount of content as the original game was i don't know if they're going to succeed in that front but they've also released massive amounts of content for free including extra play player classes so i mean it's not just you know an extra zone or an extra dungeon they're putting in significant expansion quality content into their free patches if i can stop you there just ever so briefly once again when i was talking to belcast about this and he was trying to sell me on 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 starting it he's actually kept a playlist of every patches trailers since it started and Mm -hmm. you're watching for a long time here but there is so much content that they've introduced for free throughout. Like, again, I, I look at what WoW, you have to compare it to WoW. What WoW has done with that $15 a month versus what these guys have done. And it's that idea of they're more hungry for it. They're more hungry because they don't have the 10 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. So they have to work harder for that money. And they do. And it shows. And it's their knowledge that they know they screwed up and they still have to prove themselves. So what we're getting in the expansion, uh, one of the big deals is they're adding in a new playable race, the Aura, which is like a lizard-like species. This is one of the few things I'm a little on the fence about because additional races are kind of standard for MMO expansions. But alts are largely unnecessary in 14 because you can just change your class on one character. So unless you're rolling on a new server or a new player coming in, unless they're putting in some sort of paid uh, race change, which they might be in there. I honestly don't know. It, it, it's a nice feature, but it's not really a selling point. Yeah, but they're for adding, the people who are yeah. going to be starting because of the expansion, like us, that's a really big mm-hmm. point. then because- I looked at those and I thought, ooh, those are awesome. There's, You don't have to deal with any flappy ears. It's just horns. <laughs> So I was like, hmm, I like that. As as far as the big features are concerned, it's probably the least important of the bunch, though. We're we're getting three new character classes. The Dark Knight, which is a heavy sword-wielding tank character with dark magic abilities. We are getting the Machinist, which looks awesome. It's a gunslinger with little robot pets. (laughs) Yes. And the Astrologian is actually pretty cool. It's like a support healing class based around uh, tarot cards. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're, the big raid that they're adding at the end is going to involve Alexander, you know, one of the famous summons from the series. But it's not just involving him. It's inside him. It's, yeah. it's a giant sentient fortress. And they are very purposefully staying close-lipped on what's actually going on in there. But concept alone, it's great. Massive. Did you actually watch the stream for this? I didn't watch the stream, but I've okay. seen some of the videos. I watched the stream with uh, Yoshida and, and a couple of the other people. Well, one was a translator and one of the other guy was the uh, community manager guy. Um, 
and it was really, really quite good. Like they gave a ton of information. It was long too, like really long, but awesome. And they showed that the concept art for it and all that. And they said, just to give you perspective on that, those things in the bottom right hand corner, those are trees. <laughs> and it's like, you see these <laughs> tiny little trees and this massive thing. And you're going like, holy shit. It was like looking at that uh, sinkhole that they found. <laughs> it goes down in the middle of the like, yeah. it's like Siberia, wherever it is, where it's just like, oh, that's that's not shrubbery. Those are trees. trees like, yeah. Oh. And then one of the most exciting features is they're adding flight to the game. Now, that in and of itself isn't super exciting. And, of course, they're running into the World of Warcraft problem where the older zones just aren't geometrically designed for flight. So until they can redesign the older zones, you can only fly in the new zones. But it, it's expected. Uh, you know, you get dragons, you get flying chocobos, you can get your own personal airship, mm-hmm. which is nifty. But then they start talking about free companies, which are the game's version of guilds. And that a free company can band together to build their own airship, not pour together a bunch of money and just get an airship. No, you have to build the airship. Your blacksmiths have to construct the engine parts. Your woodworkers have to construct the hull. Your tailors have to construct the sails. And once you're done, you have an actual physical in-game object that everybody can use because it is a group airship that you build built with your two own virtual hands. That is fucking awesome. That is ridiculous. And it is so fucking cool. It was, I mean, airships are a big part of Final Fantasy. Yeah. I mean, that sort of guild investment, fuck player housing. This is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I was looking at that and you're thinking like guild housing and things like that. And then you, you look at this and it's like, this is the ultimate guild housing kind of thing. Just friggin awesome especially if they're gonna allow the guilds to take them around and basically park them wherever they want kind of thing it was like that would be awesome yeah if if we can move it if we can that will depending on how that turns out that might be the final nail in the coffin and i will shell out for a second sub yeah yeah i'm telling you right now there's a bad decision incoming (laughs) it's not a bad decision it's a very good decision The professions were awesome, too. They showed quite a bit during the video for that as well. The the Dark Knight is basically a death knight, is what they did. What was funny is that during... Uh, Final Fantasy did it first. Well, whatever. What was funny (laughs) was that they were saying that they had been trying to decide at the time whether they would do the Dark Knight or a samurai. And Yoshida was talking in Japanese, Japanese or Korean, these guys are Japanese, Japanese, obviously. Yeah. And, um, and he was talking in Japanese in the translator trans, but I mean, he said, dark Knight, samurai, blah, 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 everything in the middle. And everybody kind of went, <gasps> <laughs> and then the translator say, hey, is like, well, you immediately know you made the wrong call, buddy. You should have gone with samurai. Like, I, I know Roger, you never played 11. Joe, did you ever play 11? Yes, I did. The samurai in Final Fantasy XI was a fucking machine. Like, that was one of the most badass classes in the entire game. It was one of the most badass classes in any MMO ever created. 
So yeah, they made it. They chose one wisely. <laughs> well, I, I think we know what we're getting in one of the free content drops in the coming year. I would actually say that it's probably going to be an ex- expansion. They'll probably do that because they were talking as well about the what goes into adding a new profession because it's not as or a job, I should say, for these guys. It's not yes. as easy as just kind of coming up with a few ideas and tossing it in. There's a lot of time investment to make sure that there's balance and everything and putting three in they were basically told by their devs never again this this ain't gonna happen (laughs) so i'm thinking samurai as the ultimate job added in an expansion i think that's what they're gutting for next time well i won't disagree with that the ninja was added in last year in a free patch so it's entirely possible yeah yeah it is the um they talked about again. I don't know if you had much more you want to talk about, but just in the video they talked about got to the airship. So that was kind of the big, yeah, that was <laughs> that was a payoff right there. Um, they talked about what goes into the weapons for each of the classes and mm-hmm. jobs as well, which was really super cool because for that card wielding one, they actually showed off early design sketches of different ideas that they had as well, which were hysterical. The crowd couldn't stop laughing because you got these weird things coming out of their wrists and arms, putting like the cards out like as if they were playing. It was just bizarre. It was was horrible, horrible, but people were laughing. And uh, and so, yeah, they they did that. And then they were showing off the mounts as well. And you had the little, the little, I don't know what that race is called, but the little ones on the chocobo riding off the little black chocobo. And then all of a sudden there's a cliff there. called in 14, yeah. Jump off the ledge. Taru, Taru, and but that's wrong. Little wings come out of the chocobo, and the crowd lost their shit. <laughs> and then they showed the friggin' dragon, and it was like, oh my god! Like Blizzard does drakes, and you know, with the exception of the Nether drakes, really, I've never been that crazy about a lot. Are they still of recycling the, the same two models? Uh, there's a lot of them that yeah. they do. Yeah, some of them are nice, I will say, but a lot of them, I. It doesn't feel like you're riding a freaking dragon. This was a dragon. You're sitting a there's a dragon between your legs and it's awesome. And uh and so yeah, they showed off that they showed off the sketches for the personal airships which looked like a machinist in one of those was like oh, mm-hmm. I I yeah, I might be pre-ordering this. <laughs> so what server are we rolling on, guys? I actually, I know a bunch of people on, there's two that appear to be the main ones, but I know a bunch of people on, on them and I'm going to find out which one because I was on, I know I was on Altros. That's not yeah, one of Altros them. Altros and Balmung are the two I know people on. Oh, yeah, I know, okay. no, those aren't the ones that I know. I'll, I'll find out, but I got to play it. By the uh, way, Vince, they're called Lalafell. That's it. Thank you. I couldn't remember. I will be pausing one of other, my other memberships to play this. I have to, because it's that. All right. Next, we had Dreadnought, which I had not heard anything about. But ironically, I'm dude, I'm like, I'm on. I had my finger on the buy button for Elite Dangerous, <laughs> like a few times in the past week. I'm like, I, I I gotta just break down and buy this goddamn game. But then I see the goddamn stuff on No Man's Sky that we got, and we'll get to that in a minute. That was like, oh no, I I have 
to play No Man's Sky. Elite, Elite Dangerous is like one of those, I really want to. No Man's Sky, I have to play this game. So I'm in that frame of mind right now where it's like, I need a good space game. And then this Dreadnought video comes out showing this epic goddamn space battle, five on five kind of, was it five or six? I think it was five on five. Space five battle five. using these massive dreadnoughts to ram into other ships, using lighter ships and hiding under the dreadnoughts, all kinds of stuff. And it was like, holy crap, does this ever look not just gorgeous, but looks like a ton of fun. Technology in 2015 what there's a reason everybody's making space games right now because we can finally get the we game can. we all yeah. dreamed yeah. of when we were playing X-Wing back in the day. <laughs> yeah, the the it's just if you haven't seen the video for this, I strongly urge you look it up, find the video just because it looks unbelievable. And it's even it's not even anywhere near done. It's only going to get better. It just it looks amazing. So, and it's going to be a free-to-play space combat game. Oh, is that right? That I didn't hear about that. Yes, it is oh, going to be free-to-play five-on-five space combat. I Oh, man, I can't wait. I cannot freaking wait. Another one that I'd not heard anything about was Wolf the Red Hood Diaries. Yeah, where did that come from? Yeah, like I, until you posted it, I didn't even know it existed. Awesome. Freaking A- going back to a fable that obviously everybody knows ripping on it a bit kind of thing so that it's not the big bad wolf but rather wolf is the son of a industrial heir that is basically running the town but he starts screwing everything up when he takes over and has red hood's father killed and so red hood is just on this vendetta to kill his ass (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so it's kind of this platformer slash action RPG slash whatever. It's look- Assassin's Creed Red Riding, Red Riding Hood style. Let's call it what it is. It looks slick. I'm okay with hell. this. Yeah, no kidding. I'm not only okay, I can't wait to play it. Well, you had me at side-scrolling and platforming. Um, it's like like when my love for trying is like, kindled by this like i can feel it coming out and the fact that the visuals are just absolutely stunning i'm on board i'm 110 percent on board yeah so let's end this now on one of the things that i found the coolest and that is no man's sky vince i'll let you take this so the creators of no man's sky all four of them had an interesting <laughs> problem when you have a possible 18 quintillion worlds in your universe How do you test them? How do you look at them? How do you know if your algorithms for building the worlds are working correctly? By the time they explore them all themselves, well, the game will have come and gone. So they created a bunch of space probe bot programs that just travel the universe, generating these procedurally generated planets, filming them and bringing the footage in animated GIF form back to the creators just so that they can see how things are working out in the universe. That is the most brilliant solution to a QA problem I've ever heard of in my life. I thought it was freaking hysterical. I want to see some of those gifts now. I'm really hoping they're going to start releasing. If they haven't already, I actually haven't checked their site, but that's freaking awesome. Brilliant. It was interesting too, because they talked about, 
the the battle between art and technology, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're going to go discuss that too. But I th- that 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 interests me just as much as the space probe. I thought like again, here's four guys being very creative about the problems that come with creating such a massive game. Yeah, they, they didn't just design the world building tools to go, okay, now randomly generate a tree here. Now randomly generate a mountain. They they put a number of smaller seeds inside the algorithms so that, okay, if there's a big tree here, it's probably going to be some smaller trees around some grass. You know, you can't just have a big rock. You know, you need to have the surrounding countryside to, to go along with it. So it's not just going to be a bunch. It's not randomly generated. It's procedurally generated. And that is a big difference for only one word but it's so it's so cool when you think about it the creators aren't god they're teaching god how to do his job (laughs) yeah yeah it was again when you listen to them talking about the how they they are designing the skeletons and all that, but then given the program, the ability to make some changes to it so that when you land on a planet, there'll be types of, whether it's cats or bears or sharks or whales or whatever, and there'll be some differences, but you're not going to wind up with these googly eyed monsters that make absolutely no freaking sense. Watch out for the flying sharks though. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> with laser beams. But uh, yeah, everything that I've, again, read about this game is yet another you're not going to be able to stop me from pre-ordering this one <laughs> i don't care what you say I, no i i won't so it was a very interesting pax and it was a very interesting um gdc on a more serious note before we do cut out however one of the things that i was incredibly disappointed with was that one of the developers actually had to bow out and this is something that we have been reading about with Gamersgate um, quite a bit for months now. That stupidity. But the fact that it still is going on and you have development companies that have to... She was saying how their development company had to vote on whether or not they should go because these devs have families and Wu got death threats so that's why and they she was not getting answers from PAX in terms of the security and everything had to decide to not go the fact that we live in a time where that kind of thing is tolerated has to stop and people are tired of hearing this and I was tweeting about this today and I was quoting John Stewart when during one of his episodes, he was talking about racism. He was saying, you think it's tiring having to hear it all the time. Imagine having to live with it 24-7. And that's what these women have to do. And to show our support for that and to bring light to it and to show what our stance is. I am disgusted that this was allowed to happen and that continues to happen. And it saddened me. That someone who is a game developer, who is trying to do good in in their with their business and with their ideas of bringing equality and respect for women in gaming, was not able to. She attended to do some panels, but their company was not able to go because of death threats against them. It sickens me. And if you are someone who is listening, and you are of the mind that this is acceptable please do not download this podcast anymore. 
It's as simple as that. With that, we are going to cut out. I thank you very much for listening. We didn't show the the episode live this week, but simply because we are a few days late for real work problems. And But we will be right back on time next week. So make sure to stop by forthelore.com slash live. Monday next week, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find us on Twitter at forthelore or individually Joe at Lotus at J, Vince at Simonian and myself at Zen Buddhist. Leave us your thoughts on iTunes or Stitcher and we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.